last week we started in, in this class, and, and a lot of you are here again, but there's some new people, so I'll do, I'll do a quick sort of catch up for where we were last week. But last week we started the conversation uh, um, around the idea of um, this phenomenon that we see, that we feel like we've seen at Otter Creek, and that I think is not unique to Otter Creek, and that empty nest becomes a difficult season to stay connected or reconnect to, to church. If a church is heavily focused on children and youth, as the Otter Creek Church is, which we're not saying that's, not a, that's a wrong value. That's in our DNA. We, we, that's who we are, and that's, we're not going to stop doing that. But it creates a little tension in the life of someone who, whose life no longer is oriented around children or youth. And so there's a struggle to say, what's my place? Where, where do I fit in? Where do I belong? And all those things. And, and this was the board last week where I said, okay, give me your ideas. What's, what are your reasons for this phenomenon happening? And, and, and I'll run through those real quick. We, we started with the divorce analogy, meaning uh, some people say we've just stayed in it for the kids. We've stayed in church for the kids and the kids are out, and so we, we, we don't really have a, any compelling reason that maybe we're choosing to stay connected to this church anymore. Um, the, I, your identity has changed, maybe your faith development has changed, and, and you're just in a new season of life where you're seeking different things. Life transitions, you're moving, your jobs have changed, your needs for certain things have changed, and there's just a life transition that means I'm in a different community or, or something like that. This was the, we did it for the kids, which was similar to this, but this was, we wanted to go to a big church that had all the offerings for our children, but we don't love big church, and now we're choosing to either do something different or, or get a, have a different environment for church uh, than what we needed when we needed a place to go to summer camp. Does that, does that make sense? I think that was sort of what that was. Um, some people say, I was willing to drive when my kids were, when I was taking my kids somewhere. I don't want to drive anymore. <laughs> like, it's more work. And I, I've got other options. Your relational connections have changed. Maybe your friendships have changed. You were best friends with all of your friends' kids, your kids' friends' parents, and, and, and now those relationships feel different. We were asking different questions. Do, do I need church? What do I need from this? I've, I've put in all the time. I, I've put in a lot of time. That's the burned out theory. I've, I've done the work. I've, I've shown up and I've volunteered and I need a break and I need a breather. Um, some of us maybe do church out of responsibility. That was something that was mentioned. I, I'm modeling this for my children, and there's, there's not as much of a um, compulsion to continue that when you don't have your kids living at home anymore. Um, it's just hard. It's a hard season. M marriage issues. Uh, now our marriage doesn't revolve around taking care of these children, but now our, we realize we're the only two people in the room. We're going to talk about that uh, in a few weeks. But... But maybe my marriage has started to struggle and things are hard in this season. And then odds are if you're in this season of life, you're dealing with aging parents to some level. <laughs> like somebody in your family uh, is needing to be available for that. And that we all know how much time and energy that sucks out of us. And maybe it sucks our weekends out of us in a lot of ways because we work all week and you got to travel and be with mom or dad or take care of somebody and so life gets hard those were some of the things we walked through last week um, and we're going to continue that conversation talking about church today but I wanted to start 
by sharing a little data with you that I think is helpful to frame sort of, sort of where we're going. Our conversation today is mostly going to revolve around uh, church feels different. Church feels different when I'm not focused on children or kids are out of the house. And so how do we navigate some of that? But I wanted to start with some data from this State of Nashville report that was just released just a few weeks ago. Barna, uh, Barna Research Group partnered with Operation Andrew, which is a group in Nashville that, that works to equip pastors. I've got to move that mouse so it's not on the middle of the screen. That's driving me bananas. Um, uh, Operation Andrew is an amazing ministry, nonprofit in Nashville that, that does a lot of cool stuff. But they partnered to, to assess um, what's happening in our city, what's happening in our city in rela- relation to um, faith. And, and by Nashville, they, their Nashville is... Hendersonville to Murfreesboro, um, Kingston Springs to Mount Juliet. It, it is the greater Nashville area. Um, uh, so it's not just downtown. This Franklin and Brentwood is all included in that as well. Um, which that re- Most of the re- this report is available at that QR code, which I'll put back up later if you're super into it. But here's some data that I thought was really interesting. It, this, the, the research was broad, robust number of people, demographically representative across generations, race, ethnicity, socioeconomic status, gender, marital status, faith background, the amount of time people li- have lived in Nashville, and zip codes. It was a broad, broad study. Um, and so in this area, the, the data that I find really interesting, um, 70% of the people identified, self-identified as Christians, 70% of the people in that um, scope. Uh, but the, the interesting thing, you get to 34%, so half of them are practicing Christians. Here's how they define those terms. Self-identifying is just you identify as a Christian or with a Christian denomination. Uh, churched adults, the 44%, are, have attended a church in the last month, is what that was. Practicing Christians, identify as Christian, attend a worship service at least once a month, say faith is very important to their life, and they engage their faith outside of a worship service time. Does that make sense? So that was practicing Christians, which is a pretty um, baseline. I mean, I think those of us who were raised super churchy, we're like, yeah, that's, that's what we expect. Like, that's a, that's a, base, a good, solid baseline. We're, we're there once a month. It's, it's bigger than what's happening in the sanctuary on one, once a month. We say we believe these things. Um, Four-point evangelicals were described as they believe they will go to heaven. They've confessed and accepted Jesus. They strongly agree the Bible is accurate in its principles it teaches. They strongly agree they have a personal responsibility to share their faith with others. They strongly disagree that a person can earn their way into heaven through good works. So that was what was described as a four-point evangelical. And then a resilient disciple was described as they attend church, at least monthly, engage with things beyond attending worship, trust firmly in the authority of the Bible, committed to Jesus personally, and affirm he was crucified, raised uh, from the dead to conquer sin and death, and they express the desire to transform the broader society as an outcome of their faith. Okay? Uh, what... Now, these percentages, that's the entire population? Well, that was uh, from the data pool they, they select. I mean, they, they, didn't, okay. they didn't... Obviously, I don't know that any of us participated in this right. survey. But I just wondered but, if they... But yeah, it was 70%. And what, um, to me, this communicates, and, and they say this in their study, is 
Nashville does not have an, an evangelism problem or an evangelistic problem. Nashville has a discipleship problem. <laughs> that we have, that, that people know about church and know about Jesus, but what we don't have are, the, the, if 70% of people say, I'm a Christian, but only 34%, only half of those are, are practicing Christians, that then there's something off there. And, and so the term Christian has become more of a moniker of, of like a country club or I belong to something or this is who I am, a, a racial identity sort of thing. You know, as a, not racial is not the right word. You know, what, I, what am I trying to say? A, um, a demographic, I'm, I belong to this group. But, but it may not necessarily be reflected in my behaviors and my practices and all of that stuff. Um, we don't have an evangelism problem. We have a discipleship problem. Um, we've been in this series called Flourish that ended last week. And there's a, some really important mental health data that, that jumped out to me a lot. Uh, this is just a reminder of where you guys are in your demographic group. Most of you in this room are probably going to be late Gen Xers or Gen Xers somewhere. I'm right on the cusp. Uh, I consider myself, depending on what's... Some people go Gen X all the way to 1982 or 1983, which makes me fit. I feel like I identify with Gen X way more than I identify with Millennial. Um, but Gen X, Boomers... Then most everybody else is going to be the boomers. I think these boomers are boomers who were not old enough to, to be drafted. Is that right? And these boomers, no, 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 no boomers were old enough to be drafted. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember what Gen Generation Jones might have been connected to Vietnam War. That's what it was. You were old enough. Generation Jones was not old enough to have been drafted. Anyway, anyway. And your dad was drafted. I don't know how this data works. I'm sorry. Anyway, most of us in this room, most of us in this room are probably Gen X. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Walt. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to remind you where you fit. Most people in the empty nest zone are Gen X or Boomers. Most people in the empty nest zone are Gen X or Boomers. Um, the question was posed in the study, would you be interested in, in a church offering this type of teaching? There's going to be a lot of stuff on the screen. So, I, so this is the percentage of people that said, I definitely want my church, or I'm probably interested in my church, offering this type of help, offering this type of teaching. Um, and so on this side is churched versus unchurched people, and on this side are your generational thing. And I think it's you know, incredible to see mental and emotional well-being you have almost 90% of, of church people saying, I, I, we want help on this. Um, and, and then even among your generationals, generational things, 78% and 64% saying, I need help with this. Boomers aren't asking for help with vocation. They're not asking for vocational career help because most of them are eyeing the end of that. But when it comes to relational well-being, they're saying, I need some help when it comes to my relationships. I need some help with my mental health. I need help with my spiritual growth and development. Um, and then we're going to zoom in on, a, on sort of this relational well-being a little bit. Mental and emotional well-being. Percent who say they feel this at least once or twice a month. These are our neighbors. The percent of people who feel these things uh, once or twice a month. Uh, so you can see the, the data here. Loneliness, burned out, uh, depressed, fearful, anxious, or stressed. Stressed is the one that to me should be 
looked at closely. Because you see the difference, well, all of them, the difference in being churched and unchurched is negligible. So you, you, your connection to a church may or may not have any um, relationship to the amount you feel lonely, the amount you feel burned out, depressed, fearful, anxious, stressed. Like it, it's, it's pretty small how much that impacts. Yeah, they're slightly lower. It, it is much better that they are slightly lower, but it's pretty even across the board. And then you look at stressed, and you see that Gen X, 79% say, I feel stressed at least once or twice a month. 63% of boomers say, I feel stressed at least once or twice a month. Um, so those numbers feel like they're higher than I, I would love them to be. Does that make sense, Angel? Yeah, that's true. It's very true. Yeah, Angela brings a great point. It's hard to be relationally connected to something that you show up to once a month. Mike? What would you say that the average attendance would like? At Otter Creek? Um, I remember there being a... Uh, uh, I, 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 that would be too long of a story to unpack, and I've got to save time. Um, I, I, would think, I would think people who are core members, like you would call them, where... We're all in at OC, miss at least once a month, <laughs> and some of them twice a month. And that's the nature of affluence and the nature of I got stuff going on and, and we're busy people and, and we have access to online things now. It just is the nature of the life that, that we live. That would be, that's kind of a guess. Um, based on watching youth group for the last 12 years and knowing, you know, how often people are gone and, and present from that demographic, it's... Yeah, even people you say they're all in, they're they're not here every week because there's a lot going on. We all have a busy lives. Um, here's the one that that I really that really um, stuck out to me: the per- percent with high relational well-being. So, uh, green is national churched adults. Uh, this is Nashville churched adults. So now we're comparing data to other cities and other. Uh, rural areas around the world. I'm content with my friendships and relationships, 58% nationally, 43% in Nashville. My relationships are as satisfying as I would like them to be, 54% nationally, 36% in Nashville. You know, I'm wondering if just looking at that stat, think about schools sometimes. Yeah. I I have a feeling that might... Wait, wait, you think about schools sometimes? Sometimes. I have a feeling that has to do with the amount of yeah. 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 How many of you were like me and you grew up in a town with one middle school and one high school or one a, a county? I had one middle school and one high school in my whole county. Yeah, we I had no idea that there, I didn't know a kid who went to private school until I went to college. I'd never met I had no friends, nobody in my circles who even knew what a private school was. Do you know um, if no. Do you know if those are the same for other large cities in the South? It, it, I don't know about the South. I, I do know we, we asked him specifically, the guy who was presenting some information to us, I, I, we said, how do we compare to other cities? And, and he brought up, I think it was Omaha, that is pretty close to the size of, and he said their numbers were considerably higher and, and more on par. Having um, lived 25% of my life in the South, yeah. it is cultural to go to church in the south it doesn't mean that you're committed or you're connected if you go to church whereas where we came from if you go to church it's 
you're all in. Yeah. You are all in if you're in that building. Yeah. Which means you would feel more connected. I, I think there's something to that. Maybe we're more aspirational in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, maybe. Uh, we maybe expect more. Is that what you're saying? We, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. From our relationship. I'm just saying, in other words, saying that, yes, this is good, but I wish it was this instead of having that level of, a, a lower level of contentment. Maybe. I, I think. I'm just saying it's possible. I think there's a whole lot of possibilities. Um, so what is the priority? I, I'm going to skip through some of this. Um, I'll save that for another week because I want to get to Walter and, and Amy and I'm moving chairs. Do y'all want to sit in stools? Are y'all comfortable with that? This one's, this one's, Walter can sit in the one that's kind of gro- grody. <laughs> Amy can sit, Amy can sit in the nice chair. Um, I, I, I wanted Walter and Amy to come in, which if you don't know Walter and Amy, this is Walter and Amy Sterdacki. Walter is one of our shepherds here at Otter Creek and, and they've been around uh, for quite some time with the, with the OC family, and I'm going to let them share some things in a second. But I, I wanted this conversation to center around this idea of what is church. If, um, if we live in a community where, where relationships aren't working and, and, and people feel lonely and we're struggling to connect and all of those things, then, then there, there is a question to be asked, okay, well, what's the purpose of this thing called church? What are we trying to do with this? Why, why does this exist? And what is the, the nature of, um, of our time together and our life together and our purpose together? And so we're going to process that uh, a little bit uh, with maybe what we think in, in relation to that. First, tell us where you are on your empty nest journey so that everybody knows. Um, so we have two daughters uh, that have been out of the house like college and so our empty nest with college started about seven years ago um, and uh, say returning home for summers um, we've been empty since then um, with the exception of COVID where they came back um, and actually one of our daughters is home this weekend again, mm-hmm. just for the weekend. They're 24 and 25. Yep. Yep. Um, and you'll learn some more of their story maybe as I ask some of the questions that I'm asking as far as why I think they're great to talk about church and how church feels different because of the different relationships you have had with church in, in your life. But I want to start with maybe something hopeful of why do you believe in the local like for you, what's what gives you hope? And then I'm I'm also curious for the flip side, where are you cynical? What causes cynicism in regards to the to the purpose of the church in our culture? Well, I I think the local church is like living in a small town. And if you live in a large city and you feel lonely and disconnected and you need people who are there for you in the hard times and to rejoice with you in the good times. And that's churches are a small town with people who value a relationship with God and living out a Christian life. Um, for me, uh, I, I owe everything to the local church. So, um, you know, my parents were divorced when I was young, second or third grade. And it was like in middle school where my mom got reconnected to church. I was raised Catholic. And back in the late 70s, early 80s, our Catholic diocese was really ahead of the curve, and they offered a ministry for people who were divorced 
or widowed. And, uh, and I remember vividly sometime in middle school, mom taking me to a retreat for children whose parents were divorced or widowed, dropping me off and then peace out. And I was, and, uh, and that's really where I met Jesus. Um, and to make a long story short, I mean, I owe, I owe the church for um, my education because uh, I went to a small Bible college after a couple years of university um, at Texas A&M. Um, they gave me a, had no business giving me a full ride scholarship. Went to Pepperdine, they had no business giving me a full ride scholarship. <laughs> paid for some of my MDiv, that took forever. <laughs> but then that's also where I met my wife, that's where we raised our kids, that's been my employer for the most part has been the church, so I owe everything to the church. But he's ministry employer paid for his doctorate. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so every town I've moved to, so when I moved to um, from College Station to Austin, that's where I made community, and then moved to Pepperdine where I knew nobody. That's where we made community, and then the churches we've been a part of, that's been our primary community too. How has your relationship with <coughs> church changed through the years as, as your connection to church has changed from full-time, I'm getting paid by the church, mm -hmm. to, to now I'm not getting paid by the church, to I'm raising kids in a church to, um, I'm, a, I'm a shepherd at a church. So kind of walk us through, for you guys, um, how has your relationship to church changed? Through, oh, and I forgot to get to cynicism. Y'all probably wanted to know why they're cynical. About <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll fold that in. We'll fold, we'll fold that into it. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I was raised in Church of Christ. My dad was a preacher until... He was a professor at Pepperdine, so like all Church of Christ, surrounded by my whole life. Um, went to Pepperdine, went to ACU. Um, so that is the world that I swam in my whole life. Um, and then when we got married, and he was a youth minister for 17 years, um, I was a minister's wife. And so that was an interesting experience. <laughs> but I, I was very blessed to be at churches that were not, I mean, the first time we went to the pastor's house, the preacher's house at our last church, there, she had a doormat that said, Martha Stewart does not live here. And I was like, <laughs> we are going to get along. <laughs> anyway, I, I could do whatever I wanted to do. And so I had a very regular in with anything I wanted to do at church. So that's my relationship to church was I could do anything, volunteer anywhere, and felt very connected. And um, when he left youth ministry and started teaching at Lipscomb. I changed my ministry. <laughs> he still teaches youth ministers. Yes. You don't know yes. Walter's day job is training teaching youth, training youth ministers at Lipscomb University. So I lost that. He didn't lose it, but I lost my in. I no longer had that. And there's, you know, women in the room who know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so I no longer, I missed the regular youth worship. I missed having a small group, but it was my choice to do other things. I, I, I didn't know. I guess I was a children's ministry parent at that point. And then I was a youth ministry parent. 
so then I volunteered. I don't know where I'm going with this. Yes, now I'm an empty nester parent. <laughs> and my, my relationship to church is, after the kids left the house, I was so done with being a volunteer for every single thing. And uh, decades and decades of like, I'm always there, I'm doing everything. I just need a break. So, so that's what I did for a few years. And now I have different ministries that I volunteer in, things that I couldn't schedule-wise do when my kids were younger. And it's my church connections and like, for instance, <coughs> I wrote them down, I can't remember what they are. Um, like having an IF group, going to the women's retreat, doing nursery with friends, um, doing wraparound foster care, which I, some of those things I could never do with kids yeah, in the house. Yeah. You just cannot do that when you've got kids going everywhere. So I'm gonna stop talking. <laughs> when we moved to Nashville, that was the first time we got to choose our church because they weren't employing us. And, um, okay, employing <laughs> me. Um, but uh, you threw me off, sorry. sorry. <laughs> uh, so that was a really interesting season. And uh, some of my most dissatisfaction were those seasons where I was just coming and consuming. And, um, and so those times that we were involved in this ministry or that ministry or shepherding or whatever have been far healthier. So to wrap cynicism into it, it was, I mean, I remember Sunday after Sunday just coming, driving back on, didn't like that, that was stupid, that was dumb, why they do that, yeah. you know? And then when we started getting involved in doing stuff, that was when a lot of that s s turned off. So, we the number of times Susan and I have had the conversation of like, what would we be like if our if our relationship to church changed? It's like I, I just I have all I've done in my adult life is work for church for a church, and so I'm not I don't know what kind of church to go where I would be, and I like to imagine. I would be like still just all in and like the gung ho, but I also have there's a reality to the fact that I, I I don't I don't know like I don't know how strong um, I, you just don't know yeah I, and and I can assume there's there would be a sense of relief or freedom or I'm tired and I put in time I, I don't. I can well, imagine that's a yeah, challenging thing to navigate. I mean, there's a lot of similarity. I, I do a mentoring group with our majors, and this week, um, the, our Bible and theology majors, I'm like, they're at a very similar stage. So it's their first time away from home. They get to decide what church they go to. Um, and so we started talking about their journeys. And it's the same with empty nesters. You can shop around if you want. We've seen <laughs> plenty of people once they graduated their kids they they went other places um, but the advice I gave to those students is you're not you, you're gonna shop forever if you want to find the perfect church you're not gonna find mm -hmm. it um, find a place that will use you and uh, and the more you get involved uh, that's where those connections will happen um. It may be easy to wrap in some cynicism conversation into the, the, this next question, but for you, when you think about what is the goal of church, you know, we, we're looking at 
brief data, and if we've got time, I'll go back and show you the other chart that I have. But I, I think that's an important question that I think a lot of empty nesters ask when, when they get to this season of, okay, well, why am I doing this? What is the purpose of this? So for you, when you think about why, why do we do church, what is church? Uh, how do you guys answer that now? Well, I remember watching my mom stop going to Wednesday night church, and I don't remember, like, I don't know, I think she went as long as we were in the house, but maybe when we went to college she stopped going. I remember totally judging her for that, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> but now I just can't, I, I'm not 45 anymore. Like, I can't, you know, I, I cannot work my job and then drive over here on Wednesday nights and not grumble and <laughs> feel exhausted and then pay the price for that. Like, I, I don't come to Wednesday nights anymore, even though I would love to, and I loved Vespers, and that was like the only quiet hour of my <laughs> week where I could just always got a word from God, but you know, it's not the only quiet hour of my week anymore. Yeah. Like, I can have Vespers at home. Do I do that on Wednesday nights? No. <laughs> but but it, it is um, it is watching the choices that other people have made. Like, I, I have so much less energy than I did when the kids were in high school. And sorry, that's just the truth. Yeah. And I can't do, I can't take on everything that I used to do. And I, it's hard to accept that, but it's reality. But what you asked is, what's the point of the church? And, like, walking in the door checking the box is not the point, you know? Living a Christian life, living a life with God, and being God in the world is the point. And it's so much better to do that with other people. And it's so much healthier to do it with other people. Yeah, um, for me, it's doing our best to um, experience the kingdom of heaven now. Um, Post-fall, pre um, second coming um, and so that is uh, doing life in community it's um, it's about um, gathering together to be with God um, it's about encouraging one another to keep their eyes focused on God um, it's about um being a light in the community. One of the things I loved about the Catholic Church was your address determined where you went to church instead of getting to shop and be a consumer. And so, you know, a wild hair idea I have is what if we just did a five mile radius and as Outer Creek and said, this is our body. And if you live within that five mile radius, this is where we want you to go to church. If you live outside, you're welcome to come, but you don't get a vote. <laughs> and I kind of like that idea because I don't live in that five mile radius but I think there's something for us to learn to invest in the people around us it, it, it's much easier to have a for a church to feel like a community when when you do feel like you're in community with you see each other at the grocery store yeah. And yeah. Yeah. We, we, are a, we are a church that has people for, from the Hendersonville to, to Murfreesboro 
We don't live in that. Area. Yeah, well, and if you want to get within, we, the I counted once. We three seven zero two seven zip code. We're gonna to have to pay ministers a little bit more. I'm, I'm I mean, getting back to those stats. <laughs> those, expensive to live in this area. Those stats about natural yeah. church life. I mean, we. I counted. We drive past twelve churches on the way here. Yeah. And the, the, two Starbucks. The the choice and consumerism. Yeah. Culture is is a pretty. It, is what I think makes Nashville such a different mm -hmm. area uh, than, than, and, but yeah, um, uh, I, I want to hear from a couple people in the crowd, I'm looking for my clicker that's probably in my pocket. pocket. What, Can uh, I ask a question real yeah. quick? What, just curious and just reflecting on what it's been like for me just hearing, you know, you guys are seven years into this, this season of life. What, what have you appreciated about relationships with other you know, other adults, how many kids are kids are out of the house? What's changed, and what's maybe what what have you appreciated that stayed the same? You know, for us, I think our life our life vest or life preserver has been our life group, and and having relationships with people in the same stage of life to to be able to bounce ideas off. Um, the the benefit of doing youth ministry was having plenty of parents to look at and seeing how are they doing parenting before we get to that stage too. I would say what has changed is when we, our kids are all at home, it's oh, gotta get you know what what college are they going to and what are they uh, what sport are they doing and what are all these accomplishments they're doing and now that kids are all out making their own adult decisions. Um, it's not a competition. Like it is like a bunch of kids are back home. Um, lots of kids these days are doing things that are a different path than the way our lives went and what the options were when we were that age. And kids are not all taking the same, you know, things are just different. And what I love about this stage is there's so much grace about, oh, okay, your kid's doing that, or th there was a U-turn there, and then they're doing this or doing that, which is not what you thought would happen. And that is everywhere with all the parents we talk to. So that's a very different discussion about what's going on with your kids. Um, can I say thank you to Walter Ann? information on that or to see more of that study there, there's some really helpful information I think in in that study um, th this was the conversation we we're having today uh, I wanted to show you what's coming up next week we're going to talk a little bit about boundaries and differentiation Jim and Dana Arnett are going to be here to help us kind of process some of that conversation how do we set boundaries um, with our adult children or in different seasons of life uh, 225 Miss Jeannie and Mike are going to be lead, helping lead us in a praying with and for your offspring, how, how to do that in a better way. I, I won't be here that week. I'll be out of, uh, of town. Um, I'll be in Denver, sorry, <laughs> speaking at a retreat there for some youths. And then 
early March, a new season of marriage, just thinking about, uh, I think Bill and Kelly are going to be here that Sunday to kind of help us think through what, I got, this is a new season for us, and, and we're figuring out life and how to make the most of this, and so that'll help us kind of process that conversation. My hope is every week there's somebody different here just helping us engage in conversation. So if you're thinking about, I want to hear a specific thing from this person, let me know that or tell them that, and, and I'll find, we'll find time on the calendar. Like, we'll just put people up here to have those conversations um, as, as we kind of <clears throat> process all of this. I want us to wrap up um, real quick. I was just thinking about this passage from Philippians this week as sort of a prayer um, for each other this week. I, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, whether I'm in chains or, de or defending or and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how long for all, I, I, how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. And then here's, I think, the, the key part of the prayer and something I just thought about as I was thinking about this class. It says, this is my prayer. And this is our prayer for our children. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best. And may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. Um, and so I will start this prayer. Um, I was going to let you all do this in pairs. But it's, it's time to go. Um, and I want you to say the name of your children in the in the second one. Just say the name of your children. Some of you that'll take longer than others to say, <laughs> to read through the list of, of the names of your children. Um, and we'll pray this, this prayer. God, be with the families represented in this room as they parent Margo and Leah. Give grace where grace is needed, peace where peace is needed, words where words are needed, and silence where silence is needed. We trust that what you, Jesus, have started is good and that you will carry it on to completion. Amen.